What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engage JSU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. Man, I don't know about you guys, but I am so glad that it's Monday again. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Mark chapter 5, so feel free to open those up or turn those on. That's where we're going to be hanging out tonight. Uh, Mark chapter 5. If you're new with us, my name is Jesse. I'm glad you're here. Glad you decided to, to spend your evening with us. And right now, we're in the middle of a series called Like and Share. And so this series is based around something that we're on all the time that we, we love a lot, and that's Instagram. And so the whole purpose of this series, as we talked about in the first week, is Instagram is often the place where we find ourselves comparing who we are to other people. But we don't compare because we have Instagram. As we've talked about, we compare because we have insecurities. That's why we compare. And so we try to see how we measure up to these different people. And then oftentimes when we feel like we don't, we experience all these negative emotions. So last week we talked about one of those emotions that was discouragement. And we talked about last week as we looked at 1 Samuel chapter 1 and kind of walked through Hannah's story who couldn't have a kid, that God often puts us in these painful situations in order to push us towards him, in order to get us to the point in our lives that we recognize that we need God and we cry out to him and, and we spend time just pouring out our hearts before him. And we ended last week by talking about how we can find encouragement even in the midst of our discouragement because our Pain has a purpose. Our pain has purpose. And so tonight we're going to continue in this series called Like and Share by looking at loneliness and how we can find ourselves being able to, to deal with that in our lives. So Mark chapter 5, that's where we're going to be. That's where we're going to be hanging out. We'll have the verses on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, you can track along with us there. But that's what we're going to be looking at uh, tonight. So several years back, I was out of town on a, uh, because of work, and I was hanging out in my apartment one night, getting ready for bed, and I get this text from my wife that says, hey, can you give me a call? Which is a weird message to get from her, because like, we're very stereotypical millennials in the sense that like, we don't like talking on the phone. Right? I kind of just live with this mindset that like, unless you're driving or dying, text me. Right, and even if, even if you're dying, like unless you're like really close, you can probably just text me anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how we are. And so when she was asking me to call her, I knew that something was up. I knew something was going on. And so I gave her a call and very quickly found out, found out that the reason she wanted to talk to me was because of something that she saw on Instagram. See, my wife was friends with this girl who was about to move away. And so she's sitting there on her phone, right, scrolling through her feed. She comes across this picture that this girl had posted about a going away party. A party that apparently my wife wasn't invited to. And what was so confusing to her is that there were people at this party who really didn't know this person very well at all. And they were there and she wasn't. I mean, I just remember how much this just hurt my wife. Because she just couldn't figure it out, right? She just couldn't figure out why she wasn't asked to come to this, right? She just didn't understand why these people who she considered to be friends didn't want her to be there. And so that night, right, she laid by herself in our room, ready to go to sleep. She just wanted somebody to talk to you about this. 
Because seeing that post, seeing that picture just made her feel so left out. And we get that, right? I mean, we've all been in situations like that before. Maybe for you, it was like my wife. Maybe you saw a post that your friends made about a hangout that they did that you weren't invited to. Or maybe as you're on your phone, you come across a picture of your ex with somebody else, right? That'll get you. That'll get you real good. Um, Or maybe you just see a friend who has all of these stories that they share on their stories thread on their birthday about all these people who you're posting about how great they are and how much they like them and how much they enjoy them in their life. And it makes you realize that when your birthday came around just last month that nobody did that for you. I mean, we get this, right? We've all been in situations before where we've seen either a post or a story or a picture, and it just hurts. And it just hurts because in those moments when we feel unwanted or unappreciated or uninvited, that's when life gets lonely. And all of us have experienced this in our life before. In fact, this summer, I read an article from the L.A. Times that was extremely eye-opening, extremely eye-opening. Because this article and, and talked about loneliness, and in it was a survey. And the survey said that based upon what they discovered, the loneliest generation in America, right, the loneliest generation in our country today are people between 18 and 22. College students, right? You guys. The loneliest generation in our country. And so what that means is if you're here tonight, man, and you struggle with loneliness on the regular, right? Please know that you are not the only one. Please know there are so many people who feel exactly the way that you do, right? Because even though we have hundreds, if not thousands of friends online, we all still struggle with being lonely. And see, that's even true for the person that we're looking at in our passage tonight. A person who kind of comes into the story in Mark chapter 5 a little bit later on. Because in Mark chapter 5, what's happening is that Jesus has been approached by a guy named Jairus. And Jairus asked Jesus to come to his house because this little girl is sick and she's about to die. And so Jesus is on his way to this house. He's on this way to rescue this girl And as he's walking, this is what we find out happens in verse 24 of our passage. It says, A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Right, so as Jesus is walking with this huge crowd of people around him, what we see is there's this woman this woman who has this pretty serious condition. And her condition is that she is constantly bleeding, or as one translation says, she has this constant discharge of blood. And she can't do anything to get this to stop. I mean, she just spent all her money, she's gone to all these different doctors, but instead of her situation getting worse, instead of her condition getting better, it's only getting worse. And to make this hopeless situation even harder for her is that the religious laws of this day would have been pretty tough for this girl. Because according to the Old Testament, according to Leviticus chapter 15, 
Because this girl was constantly bleeding, she would have been considered ceremonially unclean all the time. Which means she was off limits to everybody else. Because anybody who even touched her would automatically become unclean or off limits like she is. So just imagine what kind of life this woman lived, how lonely that she was because of this condition. Right? Nobody wanted to come over to her house and just hang out with her. Right? Nobody invited her to come and just have a casual conversation to catch up, right? Because if they did, right, they might touch her. If they did, they might get in contact with her, even something that she has touched. And then because of that, they would become unclean as well. So every day, this woman was interacting with so many different people who refused to be around her. Right? So many different people who rejected her because they saw something was wrong with her. And what's crazy to me is how long this went on, right? I mean, 12 years. 12 years this woman has been battling with this problem, right? That means 12 years she has lived her life with little or no friends, right? 12 years she has heard about her family getting together and having an amazing time without her. And for 12 years, she wasn't able to give somebody a goodbye hug or even gently have them touch her arm to say that they care about her. 12 years this has happened. She's lived this life where she just feels like she is isolated and separated from so many different people. And you can imagine as she has spent all of these years in isolation, all these years away from people, she began to ask herself the same question that we ask ourselves when we find ourselves feeling lonely. And will this feeling ever go away? And will I be lonely for the rest of my life? Because when we experience loneliness in our life, just like this girl, we feel like people are rejecting us because they see something wrong with us. Right? They feel like we feel like people want nothing to do with us because they see something that they don't want to touch. And so because of that, we just find ourselves living our lives thinking if we were attractive, or if we were outgoing, or if we just were more fun to be around, then people would ask us to hang out with them. Then that person that we like a lot would want to date us. And so because we think that we're the problem, we wonder if we're always going to be like this. We wonder if we're always going to be lonely, or if we're always going to struggle to make friends, or if we're always going to be single. And we just struggle because like this woman, we feel like people are rejecting us because they think that something is wrong with us. And so as Jesus is walking by and he's making his way to this house, this woman decides to do something. That's what we see in verse 27. It says that when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And she comes up with this game plan that says, all right, I'm going to come and walk up to Jesus. And I just want to touch him. I just want to put my hands on him. But notice that when she does this, she does this secretly. Right? She doesn't want to walk up to Jesus and have a conversation with him. Right? She doesn't want to make this big scene where everybody sees what she's doing. Instead, she just wants to quietly walk up behind Jesus, put her hands on him, hoping in her desperation that this will cure her. And see, the reason this woman doesn't want to make a big scene 
is because she doesn't really think that she belongs in this crowd. And that because of what's going on, because of her condition, what she was supposed to do in this day, if she was in a large group of people like this, is she was supposed to announce to everybody there that she was unclean. That way they wouldn't touch her. That way they wouldn't get unclean themselves. So in order to avoid doing that, right, and having that embarrassing moment, she just decides to stay hidden. She decides to kind of stay in the shadows because she doesn't think that she can talk to Jesus because she doesn't think that she belongs around him or anybody else who's around. And just like this girl, when we experience loneliness in our lives, we don't feel like that we really belong either. We don't really feel like with her that we fit in. Because if we're honest, we don't really feel like anybody really wants to be our friend. Like, I mean, we get that people want to be nice to us, right? We get that people want to have a conversation with us. Like, we get that. But we really don't feel like somebody wants to be our friend. Like, they really care about us. In fact, if we're honest, we're afraid that even the people that we're close with now, that eventually it's going to get to the point that they're going to become annoyed with us. That eventually we're going to become an inconvenience to them. And that eventually they're going to leave our lives because they're going to realize what everybody else seems to realize, that something is wrong with us. And of course, we're definitely not going to go meet new people. We're definitely not going to put ourselves out there to do that because it's only going to be a matter of time before they realize that something is wrong with us too. And so we just feel like that we don't belong. And because of that, it causes us to walk around with this insecurity about who we are. Right, causes us to walk around with this voice inside of our heads that feels like it's constantly talking to us and constantly telling us that you're not enough. And if you want to fit in, you got to be better. Right? You got to be funnier. You got to be prettier. You got to be cooler. You just got to be more. And so we feel like that we don't belong. It's like this woman, we feel like. We're just not enough. And so she comes and she secretly grabs Jesus. Something absolutely incredible happens. What we see in verse, sorry, in verse 29, it says, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was free from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowned against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? So this woman is able to come up to Jesus, and she's able to touch him, and she's able to get healed, right? Which is amazing, which is incredible. But here's what's insane to me. Nobody notices this girl do it. Right? Nobody knows that she comes up and she touches him, right? Like not even the disciples who apparently were right next to Jesus even realizes that this girl is there. I mean, it's like she's in, invisible. Like she's just invisible to these people around her. And it, it's something that we know in the midst of our loneliness all too well. Is that we can be a, in a crowd of people like this and still feel like nobody notices us. Right, just like in this story, right, what we know from our experience 
is that loneliness is so, has such little to do with where we are physically and just about everything to do about how we feel emotionally. Right? It's not about who we're around. It's about who knows that we're around them. And so we can find ourselves in a crowd and feel completely unnoticed. Right? We can find ourselves being connected, constantly connected to hundreds of friends all the time on Instagram. And still feel like we are totally disconnected from everybody. In fact, that's often how we do feel, isn't it? I mean, often we just feel like that even though there's so many people around us, even though everybody seems to be in the facility of where we are, we still feel like that we're unnoticed. We still feel like nobody sees us. And that nobody really cares that we're there. And we live in this really difficult time right now. We live in this really hard time where we're never alone, but we're always lonely. Right? We're always connected to people around us. We're always around different people at school and online and in our jobs, but we still find ourselves feeling lonely. And see, I think oftentimes what kind of help makes us feel this way, that we're never alone but always lonely, is, is social media, Right? Because I think that gives us just this kind of this false hope, right? We feel like because social media is where everybody is, that's going to help us to overcome our loneliness in our lives. But then what ends up happening is that we realize that instead of helping us overcome it, instead it just help, makes our situation even worse because we just realize they are how unnoticed we really are. Because we look around and we see how everybody is doing all this stuff without us. And we realize that it's not this place where we feel like we're connected and that we belong. Instead, it just magnifies how we already feel about ourselves. That something must be wrong with us. That we don't belong. Because we're not enough. So even though we can be in a crowd, just like this woman, we can go unnoticed just because we're constantly around so many other people, we can still be lonely. And so as Jesus is, is, is making his way through, making his way to this house, he doesn't just kind of brush this off when nobody knows who it is. Instead, he decides to do this. And look what it says in verse 32. It says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. All right, remember, Jesus is making his way to save the life of a little girl, right? He's kind of on urgent business, right? He's doing something important. But what's amazing is in this moment, he chooses to stop. He chooses to wait, right? He chooses to look around to find the person who decided to reach out in desperation and grab him. But here's what's crazy. Jesus does this even though he knows exactly who it is that touches him. Because see, in the original Greek, the grammar here, this verse can actually be translated a little bit differently. It can actually be translated, Jesus kept looking around to see the woman who had touched him, the woman who had done this. So when Jesus is looking around, I believe he knows exactly who he's looking for. He knows exactly who it is that touches him. So he could have kept walking. Right? He could have kept going, just thrown up a peace sign and said, you're welcome on the way. He just could have headed on. 
right? But he doesn't do that. And so Jesus uses this opportunity to create a moment. He uses this opportunity to ask a question to the crowd that nobody can answer, and then he decides to just stand there and wait. Because Jesus wants to make sure, even though nobody else has, he wants to make sure that this woman, this lonely woman, is seen by him. And so as he just sits there, waiting, she finally decides to step up. In verse 33, it says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Right, so in this moment when this woman finally has the courage to step out and to admit that she was the one that did it, right, Jesus doesn't in this moment decide to belittle her right, or call her out for, for her unwillingness to say something to him. Instead, in this moment, he comforts her. Right? In this moment, he praises her. And in this moment, he calls her daughter. The only person in all of scripture that Jesus calls daughter. Nobody else does Jesus refer to as daughter except for this woman in this story. And he calls her daughter because he wants to tell her something. He wants to tell this woman that her days of being an outcast are over. That her days of living in isolation are gone. Because now, in this moment, she's in his family. Now, in this moment, she forever belongs as a child of God. And her days of loneliness are gone. And for you in this room, for, 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 for us in this room, if you have chosen to follow after Jesus, he has given you the same name. He has given you the same title. You are either a daughter or a son. Which means just like this woman in this story, Jesus has invited you to come into his amazing family. Into this family where God is your father where Jesus is your brother and where the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us so that we can live a life that looks more like Jesus. Jesus has invited you. Jesus wants you. Jesus has asked you to come into this amazing relationship, to come into this everlasting relationship with the triune, Trinitarian God of the universe. And so what that means is when you find yourself feeling alone in the crowd, when you find yourself in the position in your life where you feel like nobody notices you and you feel lonely in that moment, Jesus sees you. Even if nobody else does. And what's incredible is that Jesus doesn't just see you, 
Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be you. He knows exactly what it's like to feel the deep and painful emotion of loneliness. Because one night as Jesus is hanging out and having this amazing dinner with his friends, one of them decides to go and to get him arrested. One of them decides to go and betray him because he valued money over his friendship with Jesus. And as Jesus gets arrested and he gets taken to stand before the high priest, in this moment where all these people are coming out and falsely accusing Jesus of all these things he didn't do, in that moment, an even closer friend decides to deny knowing Jesus three different times. And so as Jesus stood there on trial, there was nobody to stand with him. All of his friends had left him and he was there and he was alone. And then when he's taken before Pilate, right, it's there that his own people, right, the people that he specifically came to save were shouting, crucify him because they wanted Jesus killed. Because see, in their minds, he wasn't the Messiah that they wanted him to be. They saw something wrong with Jesus. And so they rejected him. And so we want, we want this guy dead. We want him out of the picture. We don't want anything to do with him. Man, can you imagine how much that must have hurt Jesus? Right, he was willing to lay down his life for these people, and they want him to be killed. And then when he's hanging there on the cross, right, when he's in this moment where he is taking the punishment for our sin, in that moment, he cries out, he screams out, he yells out to God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, his father abandons him. He abandons him, and for the first time in the eternal life of Jesus, he is sitting there on the cross with the pain and the agony of our sins on him. And as he cries out, his father in his presence isn't there. And so when he sat there and he died that death on a cross, he would have experienced a level of loneliness that we can't even possibly fathom. Guys, Jesus knows how you feel. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be unwanted. He knows what it's like to be alone. What it feels like not to belong and what it feels like to be abandoned. But man, the beauty of the cross is that Jesus was willing for this to happen. In fact, the beauty of the cross is that Jesus wanted his father to abandon him so that he would never abandon you. Now, scripture is very clear. God never leaves us. God never forsakes us. But being God is always by our side. God is always next to us. God is always with us. Which means we don't have to be alone anymore. Because if you are a child of God, man, he will never leave you. 
His presence is always something that you can tap into your life, even in your lonely moments, even in the darkest eyes, even when you feel like nobody cares about you. In that moment, you can still tap into the presence of God because he is with you and he is next to you. And even in that moment, what we have to remember is when we don't feel like we're enough, God always is. I mean, even if all of your friends reject you, even if nobody wants to be around you, even if people feel like they don't want to be with you because something is wrong with you, even in that moment, God is enough. He is there and he is enough. Every single thing that you need in your life can be found with him. So what that means is that the cure to loneliness isn't being better connected, right? The cure to loneliness isn't having more friends. The cure to loneliness isn't having a better social life. The cure to loneliness is realizing that God is always there and that God is enough. It's realizing that at the end of the day comes around and it's just you and God. You're content with that. Because here's the thing, guys. Friendships are great. Relationships are amazing. And they definitely help us fight loneliness in our lives. But at the end of the day, relationships are going to fail. At the end of the day, friendships are going to break down. And so what that means is at some point, you're going to feel rejected. At some point, you're going to feel unwanted. At some point, you're going to feel like you don't belong. And so if we want to overcome loneliness in our life, we have to have something more. Or we have to have something in our life that is more consistent and more constant, right? We have to have something in our life that will always sustain us. Something we can always count on. We have to have that relationship with Jesus. And because like the woman in this story, you are a son and a daughter of God, what that means is that when your relationship fails, right, when your friendships fail, you still have a place where you belong. You still have somebody who wants to be with you. You still have somebody who's there even when nobody else is around. And you still have somebody who sees you in the moments of your life that you cry out to God and you feel like that nobody cares about you. In those moments, God is with you because God loves you. And that's how we find comfort in our loneliness. That's where we find peace when nobody's around us. Because we can hold on to this reality that you can be alone without being lonely. Because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross, you will never be abandoned. You will never be left by your father. And so therefore you can be alone without being lonely. And so as we wrap up tonight, here's my challenge for you. Here's, Here's my prayer that you will do this in your life. When you find yourself looking at Instagram and feeling uninvited or left out, you find yourself just sitting alone in your apartment or your room or your car or wherever, feeling like nobody in the world really wants to be with you and wants to be friends with you, this is what I want you to do. 
In that moment, I want you to seek God's presence. In that moment, I want you to have a conversation with God. And I want you to ask that his presence would come and consume your heart, that his presence would come and consume the room, and that in that moment, loneliness would melt away. Because you're in the presence of a God who wanted you so bad that he died for you, who cared enough about you that he went to a cross. Tap into that. Tap into the presence of God in your life and realize even when nobody else is around you that God is still with you. Realize even though you might be alone, you don't have to be lonely. So my challenge for you is to seek God's presence and my challenge for you right now is to do this as we sing these three songs. Do it right here, right now. Feel God's presence, seek it, and worship him because he's the guy who did everything possible so that you never have to feel lonely again. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity we have to look at this story and to see this person, this person who's experiencing so much loneliness in their life because they see something is wrong with them. They feel like people have rejected them and that nobody wants to be around them, Lord. And so often in our lives, we feel the same way. We see people who want nothing to do with us. We see people who we're afraid to be open with because we're afraid if they know who we are, if they see the depths of our heart, they would want nothing to do with us, Father. But the goodness of who you are and the greatness of your grace is that we can stand here tonight and we can pour out our heart to you. We can show you all of our flaws and all of our problems and everything that we're not. We can do all of that right now, God, and you still love us and you still accept us. And it's not because we're enough, it's because, Jesus, you are. We can be loved and accepted and forgiven because of what you did on the cross and what you've done for us, God, is that we can worship you and praise you. Because even when we're alone, we don't have to be lonely. And may we worship you right here and right now. Amen.